There are many judges here today, but we've got Ryan Lantain, who is actually uh, not only a judge, but full-time dude. You are a judge in real life for Drift Racing. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Susie puts you on the spot. You've seen over 100-some-odd cars. Yeah, 150. And are, we're not able to say what his favorite no, is No, we yet. can't. We well, can't. <laughs> I'm judging a different uh, category this Oh, this what round. category? So I'm doing the Rookie of the Year this year. My portion's pretty small. Out of the 150 cars, maybe 30, 35 cars, something okay. like that, that I was judging. So I'm not doing an overall best of show or anything like that. I was simply judging um, anybody under the 20, uh, 25 years of age that has a car here. You kind of segued into the whole arena of judging uh, for Formula Drift. Um, how did that all happen? Well, I used to drive in Canada. I uh, drove for a couple of years. I competed up there. I lost my sponsor, BF Goodrich, in uh, the end of 2009. So in 2010, I decided, well, I didn't decide. They asked me to judge the Canadian series. They said, you're here. You might as well be involved. We need the judge. So I judged one year up there. One of the uh, FD judges was coming up there to help us out. And he knew that in 2011, Formula Drift needed a new judge. So I came down and interviewed, and I got the job in 2011. And I've been doing it since. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and if we go back to sort of the history of drifting uh, out of Japan, I take it Formula Drift in Japan is probably one of your highlights to be able to go out there and, and uh, judge those series out there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Formula Drift Japan is one that's been around for a few years now, four years, I believe, five years. And the, uh, the, the opportunity to go out there so many times in a year, see the culture, the tracks. Uh, I was able to buy a car and just leave it at the racetrack there as well. So I, I've done that a couple of times and I get to go drift myself on legendary tracks in Japan and just live the ultimate dream when it comes to drifting in that sense. You started in the early years. Did you ever realize that um, this would be something that progressed as it is today? Talk to us on that a little bit. I never imagined I'd be where I am today. I just did it because I loved it back then. My friend was involved. He got me involved. And then when I started competing, I just loved the... the I love being sideways in a car. I don't know what it is. When I was a kid, you know those big mats? Uh, it looks like the outline of a city, kind of a drawing overhead of a city, and kids can play with their little Hot yeah. Wheels. I had one of those, but mine had rubber drawn all over it, and I used to pretend <laughs> I was drifting my Hot Wheels around it. I wish I still had it, but my parents got rid of it years ago. Um, so that started me really young in that kind of mentality. So you're saying, while everyone else up in Canada was probably doing hockey and some other things, you're like, no, 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 no. I want to I drift. <laughs> Cars. What is this? Yeah. Cars. <laughs> exactly. And it's, to, to this day, people say, oh, what's your favorite hockey team? <laughs> I don't know much about hockey. I'm one of the few Canadians that don't really follow hockey that much. But yeah, drifting just kind of, it became a sport in North America. And it just, it's almost like it was something that developed as I came into the age that I could start participating in something like that. And it, it was the perfect timing for me. It was, it was just ideal. So here you are, you're, you're getting started, you're out. Um, what, you know, we ask a lot of our drivers that come on, on the show, whether they're NHRA, NASCAR, uh, Formula One, we just had Derek Daly on, mm -hmm. and a few others. And, you know, you get so overwhelmed at times, and it's not like you can practice that track day in and day out. Where do you take your mind as someone behind the wheel getting ready for an event? Take us where you're going uh, behind the wheel. How do you prepare for that? That was always the toughest part for me, the mental side of it. Um, you know, the mechanics, the, the crew could have the car ready and everything, but getting yourself in the right state of mind is the most challenging part. You have to be aggressive. You have to be 
really dialed in in terms of um, knowing what your car can do and how to make it do what you need it to do. Um, but you need to be that level of aggressive with a level of control and self-control where you're not going to overdrive the car and crash right. or you know make contact with the other car. And that's the that's what truly makes a champion out there is somebody that can focus enough while being aggressive enough to win, right? Some of the people are not aggressive enough, so they end up dropping out early in competition because they're not pushing themselves hard enough. Sure. But then there are the ones that push too hard and end up overdriving the car, crashing, making contact with the other car, whatever it might be, spinning out. And uh, it's the ones that can truly focus. For me, I was never uh, ideal, really great at that aspect of it, you know? Um, the competitive side was never something I was, I was, uh, I was never that, uh, that driver that had the, the, the killer instinct. I love driving and I love being out there, but I didn't have the killer instinct. So you got to a point where you, you kind of you had to make that decision, I right? Mean, and yeah, it yeah. didn't make sense for me to continue anymore. But the, like I say, the guys that really make it are those ones that can focus on all those things at the same time. And um, the guys in our series that are that are doing well: James Dean, Frederick Osbo, Von Gittin Jr., Ryan Turek. You know, I can go on and on with names, but the ones that are truly at the top are the ones that can focus in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, as a driver many years ago, and of course sort of segueing into judging, doing an amazing job covering the circuit, uh, what do you see that's a commonality amongst drivers and the mechanics of their vehicle? What is the common, shoot, this thing broke again. What are folks having a tough time with? Um, is, it, is it tires? Is it, is it horse? Is it the engine power plant? Is it uh, body that just gets demolished in a bad crash and they just don't have that ability to come back. What's the commonality of what one could really jack up badly and set them back really good? Right now in Formula Drift, it's a very unique situation that we have in our sport, especially in North America. Uh, in Japan, the horsepower levels tend to be a little more controlled. U.S., you know how it is in America. We like everything big and fast. Yeah, we and uh, we essentially, the drivers in our series right now, uh, the common statement about them is nine-second uh, drag cars, but sideways. The cars are generally 800, 900, 1,000 horsepower, somewhere around there. Some are even more, 1,200, 1,100 horsepower. Mm. So trying to make a car last in the heat when you're clutch kicking and being on throttle so aggressively with the grip that these cars produce, you're going to break things. Uh, the engines are blowing up all the time. Absolutely. Guys are blowing their engines because the engines are developed to the absolute bleeding edge of, of what they're able to get out of those engines. Um, transmissions, differentials, axles, all of those, anything from the engine back, any part of the driveline they're is going to be taking a shock, sure. right? Yeah. Um, because there's so much grip. Some of these cars are lifting the inside front wheel while they're going around the corner, you know? Um, there's so much grip being created by those rear wheels, uh, by the rear tires that uh, the engines have to work really hard. Uh, the misconception about drifting is no grip, right? People think that you're running around on bald tires or yeah. really really hard, mm -hmm. plasticky tires that you'll slide around easily, and that's not the case at all. These cars are incredibly gripped up with the tires that they have, and uh, they're capable of doing things that we never really thought possible, you know, 10 years ago. And they're pushing the threshold. I mean, I imagine five years from now what, what it'll be like. And as a judge, yeah. um, what do you what do you see that it is can be tough in actually judging these events? I, I know there are rules, there there are sort of regulations. There's the vehicle checks and so on. Yep. Um, what challenges do you have? I mean, you ever call a race and or call a session of a race, however that works, uh, and feel like was that a good call or 
Sometimes it's tough. We are getting to the point now with the level of drivers that we have in our series, especially Formula Drift, where uh, it's a th field of 32 cars that will go out in a, in a top 32 bracket. And um, I've been talking about this uh, for the last couple of years now, especially with some drivers, where maybe three, four years ago in the top 32 portion of the battle, you could say, I'm pretty sure this driver is going to win in this battle. I'm not 100% sure, but based on qualifying, based on experience, based on their history, based on everything that I've seen between this driver and that driver, because at the beginning... Is it like calling a Mike Tyson fight sometimes? sometimes. Like <laughs> Mike Tyson's in there. Okay, he's going to... I mean, that's going way back. But sometimes, yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. Because yeah. in, in the way that our bracket's built, the first place qualifier goes up against the 32nd place qualifier. So unless somebody really good made a mistake and ended up in top 32 generally our 32nd qualified driver is one that earned its earned their 32nd spot so if you're putting first against 32nd generally you're going to say well the first place guy has all the chance in the world of winning this that's not the case anymore it is so tight now in competition it's good for, for the, the last sport. two to three years yeah it's good for the sport. you can't yeah. predict anything not it wasn't my job to predict but um you know you're hearing this from a lot of people it's it's so it's so unpredictable now. Is that the attraction for a lot of uh, folks that are not, not just youngsters in general, but folks that are looking to take it to those uh, next levels that, hey, you know what? There's a sport that I truly have an opportunity with. Yeah, that's one of the big things about drifting is you don't have to be a millionaire to get into drifting. You know, a lot of people say drifting's getting to that point now. And like any motorsport, it's going to get to that point. Uh, you know, you look at NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, those, they've been around for a lot of years. They've already gone through that, that, uh, that climb to the point where it's, it's prohibitively expensive. Drifting is getting there slowly. It's, it's slowly edging up. But at the moment, you can still get into a, if you look at Andrew Schulte's car over there, it's a 240SX. It's got, I believe, a V8 or 2G. I'm not sure what he has in his car. Uh, but you can put an engine like that in. And for $40,000, $50,000, you can have a very competitive car uh, at the Pro 2 level. And you can get out there with some of the top drivers in the world and go head-to-head. -head. Yeah. Where else can you do that in, in competitive motorsports? Absolutely. And in fact, we've watched uh, Andrew uh, progress over the years. Susie, he's yeah. been on the show before. 19 was an incredible year for mm -hmm. him. And it, it does speak to a lot of the... Uh, younger teams or drivers in, in this case drivers I mean yeah. you know uh, uh, what I've heard is the mantra of uh, yeah we're getting together it's a bunch of buddies and I you know we're, right, and we're just right. going to have a, in our garage and you know not to take away from how NHRA started or NASCAR started this is sort of a reinvention but yes like, do you expect me to come up with a million dollar a year budget conservatively to run down a quarter mile track this is an opportunity it really is, and people are really capturing that uh, right now, especially at the Pro 2 level. It's a top 16 competition, and generally we have around 40 drivers that are competing to get into, you know, trying to qualify for the 16 uh, spots. So we have a lot of people interested. Uh, we have every year more, more and more people, different people from different motorsports, uh, that you know, different disciplines that you wouldn't have necessarily expected in the past to come in are starting to get interested in it because of the competitive nature. It's really quick. Um, out on the track. It's not like you have to sit and watch a three-hour race or a two-hour race. It's 30 seconds per battle, and you're getting fireworks at a level that you sometimes don't get at other motorsport events in that 30 seconds that are, it's really exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. 
and there's crashes and you know everything that sure. happens. There's in, a lot of dynamic to that. It, yeah. it, it sort of reminds me what, what all the Ferris. It's not 30 seconds. I think I think lately it's less than four seconds for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that's NHRA, and and, and it, NHRA still has that ability to where you can go pit side, you can go and, and meet the drivers and so Absolutely. on. Do you find that the fans really dig that as well? They can they can sit down and really observe and get close and 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 perhaps you know see a, a Von Gittin or see a, a Schulte up and coming or or fielding uh, yeah. you yeah. know fans love the approachability of the sport it's the number one thing for fans I believe around the world and all the different series I've judged internationally um, different places the drivers will approach or sorry the fans will approach the drivers in a different way in Japan everybody is very respectful very calm very quiet it's not a, a, a frenzy you go to Russia it is pandemonium they have 10 to 12,000 people at an event and they let them on the track for the track walk and some of the drivers need security. They actually have bodyguards to wow. keep the people away from them because they just envelop the driver and they, they, they rush them. And it's incredible to see that there. In the U.S., you have the same thing where they have to have stanchions and lineups. Is this euphoria? To get people yeah. to, to actually get organized to get into the lineup. Yeah, but as spectators, you can only see it. But now in Russia, you're saying that they can touch and they can... Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... it's Russia always, I mean, I, it may have something to do with the vodka. I don't know. <laughs> but Russia's always kicking it up notches. Yeah. Uh, but um, but that's just a different style. It's a different, yeah. Yeah. It's a different way they style. do it there. Yeah. In, in FD, we have the VIP track walk, right. uh, but that's more limited where they allow a certain amount of people out there. In Russia, they just open it up and say, come on in, everybody. And you've got maybe not 10,000, but definitely thousands of people wow. rushing the track, all the cars lined up, and you can't move. It's, it's loosely organized, I imagine. It is, it's, but yeah, it's and phenomenal to see, and it, it gives you great hope for the, the sport in the sure. future. Because I mean, globally. It's, it's like yeah. that all around the world. The, Super cool. The, yeah, the, the fanatical level of, uh, of the fans is just great. In fact, speaking of which, uh, you know, you travel uh, well over 250, 300 days a year, Super Drift Brazil, Pro Drift Peru, the rough, uh, Russian Drift Series we yep. just talked about. Uh, Hyperfest, Drift Jam. How do you keep a balance? Uh, I don't. I just this <laughs> you is all. Keep going. This is all I do. It's uh, what is it? January something today, and uh, my 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 season's just starting. My year is starting already. Wow. Um, you know, this is my first. Uh, I was in Brazil for New Year's, but I, you know, that was my first flight technically. Uh, but now it's starting, and I'm not going to stop. Uh, Ryan Lantain, where where can we send folks? Uh, website, uh, Instagram, where where can we send folks? Instagram is the typical spot. I like to post a lot of things from events that I go to because that's what people want to see behind sure. the scenes stuff. Uh, my Instagram is Lantang, so it's L A W N T A N G, the way you pronounce it essentially. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really think anybody cares about that. Instagram seems to be the place Instagram where people. Instagram is where it's like at. Thanks again, we appreciate, and uh, we'll follow up with you. Uh, for the show in the future. Until then, uh, enjoy. Thank you.